Sherm Chester with you on this edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum podcast. And along with me, Sam Bruno and our special guest this week, Roger Brown from the Union Leader and NewHampshireFootballReport.com. And, and now New Hampshire Hardball. We'll be talking about baseball a little later on in the program. But gentlemen, let's start off with winter sports season is now into tourney time. And uh, let's start with the round ball, basketball. And Sam, you were at the girls' tournament, the first round, the preliminary round with the Exeter Blue Hawks. Uh, tell us what happened there, and then tell us about the, the brackets as they stand. Well, it was, Sherm Raj, it was a, a classic heartbreaker for the Exeter High team. Uh, unbelievable finish. Uh, it was a contest between Manchester Memorial that went back and forth during the, during the ball game. Manchester Memorial uh, led by four points with 421 to go. But then Exeter came back and went uh, and tied the game. But then with a minute left to go, Memorial went up by three. And it looked like it was going to be all over for the Exeter girls. But with 2.6 seconds left, uh, outstanding ball player Emma Smith hits a major league three-pointer to tie the game and send it into overtime. Uh, Manchester Memorial and the Blue Hawks really just uh, playing a great ball game and sending it into overtime. In the overtime, the Blue Hawks went up by three. Things were looking pretty good. But Memorial, a real gritty team, they have a couple of great players uh, in Madison Pepper Omani and Emma Rossi, and they just came right back and uh, pushed Exeter to the limit. In the final 30 seconds of the ball game, the Blue Hawks had a one-point lead, 45-44. Uh, they stole the ball, uh, sent the ball down to uh, outstanding point guard Grace Weed. Uh, Weed pulled the ball out with five seconds left to go and got fouled, uh, went to the line, and unfortunately missed a couple of free throws, and that set up the final play. Uh, they inbounded the ball to Pepper Omani uh, right near the midcourt line. She just heave the ball up and again Sherm Rod you know where we're seated right at the scorer's table that play was right exactly in front of us I mean I'm no more than three feet away from where that play occurred and if you talk about a simultaneous call that was it as soon as the official's hand went up and the whistle blew the horn sounded at exactly the same time when Pepper Omani was fouled. So I don't think there's any discussion about whether or not time had run out. I think it was a simultaneous call, zeros on the clock. And this young lady from Manchester Memorial, uh, you got to give her a lot of credit. As cool as ice, walked up to that free throw line and just swished two free throws with no time on the clock to give Memorial the upset win. So hats off to uh, Sam Webolt and Amanda Swazinski and all the players on the Exeter team for really giving it their all. But that's what happens in tournament basketball. You get those kind, you get those kinds of games. The way that ended, matter of fact, very, well, we'll call it a controversy of sorts because there's an old axiom. When you get that close, swallow the whistle. I mean, it, it was too tight. And, and I don't know what he saw. I mean, it was a judgment call on Larry Frizzell's watch. He, he saw some contact. Um, did you see the contact? I did. I did. Basically, there were two players around Pepper Omani. 
she had the ball and she know the she knew the clock was running out and she just went up to throw the ball and got hit she did get hit she did get hit now whether it was incidental contact or a foul you know but she did get hit but did you notice that the other referee got together with Larry at, at when when she was at the free throw line because it almost looked if you replay it like the girl was heaving the ball for a three-point shot. She was jumping, but she wasn't making the shot was the decision. Okay. So it was a two-shot foul by Pepper Omani, and uh, she hit him. She just hit the shot. So Exeter finishes the season 13-6, and six, uh, and now Memorial moves on, and they're going to take on uh, Bedford uh, coming up in the quarterfinal round. The other quarterfinals will be Londonderry at Portsmouth, Pinkerton at Goffstown, Concord, at Bishop Girton, with certainly Bishop Girton being the odds-on favorite to win it all. Now, Roger, did you watch the replay of that game, or did you get any input or, or feedback from what went on that uh, that girls' game? No, but I have lots of questions just from listening to you two. So, number one, make sure I have, I'm hearing you right. So, the foul occurred with how much time left, Sam? Under a second? Under a tenth of a second, a two tenths of a second. Okay, so she was jumping, but she was not shooting. Was the rule? She, she was she was jumping up to pass or shoot. I don't know, but she was hit. She was hit when she was jumping up. Her arm got hit. Well, if she passed it, the game's over. Correct. So first off, I find the two free throws a little strange. Not that it mattered in the end, but it doesn't that strike anybody as a strange call? Right. Well, yes, yes. If she passes it, yes. Yeah. Well, if she passes, the game's over. So why would you bother to call anything? Like, because if you don't touch her on the pass, you don't interfere at all, the game is over. So you haven't hampered her or hindered her in any way, even if you do foul her on a pass. Yeah, a friend of mine was was watching the game, and, and he calls me, uh, and, he, and he says, wow, you know, Larry Larry should have swallowed the whistle. And, and I don't know. I mean, he saw he saw what he saw and called it the way he called it, but – I just, I just, and I'm not saying he did it wrong. I just find it odd that on a pass, if he said she was shooting, I got no problem. If he saw a foul, okay. But on a pass where there's two tenths of a second, where you can't, you literally, by definition, cannot complete a pass or throw a pass there and still hit a shot, right? Or get fouled or anything. The game is over, unless I'm mistaken here. That's what stands out. Forget about everything before it. It's not, it's not that a foul wasn't committed. She didn't get hit. But if, if nobody fouls her and she's able to complete her pass without it, no interference, the game is over and they lose. I just wanted to add that already in the tournaments, we've had some crazy last-second scenarios. The Exeter one was not even the most controversial one. Um, I think it was Linwood played Farmington and a young man hit a three pointer with, I think no time on the clock that would have tied the game and sent it to overtime and it was on video and it was a three pointer and they called it a two point basket. So that's how that team lost. And then Holy family, which is a teeny little school in Manchester, they had a young man the other night, make three buzzer beaters one at the end of regulation to force overtime, one at the end of the first overtime to force a second overtime, and then one at the end of the second overtime to win it and give them a berth in the final. So my point is we're, you know, we're halfway through something. Most of the 
postseason, and we've already had some. And I don't even know what else, what else is out there that I might have missed. But those are three pretty crazy uh, endings, so to speak. You know. Now, it, it took a, a little while to figure out the brackets for the guys, okay? Because you had uh, an, an imbalanced situation. Bedford wound up the top seed and gets the bye. Pinkerton uh, and Nashua North, as well as Bedford, all had the same record, so 17-1. and one. Roger, do you know or have you had an explanation why Bedford got the top nod? Yeah, record against tournament teams. Okay, but... It was there's a situation where I don't understand. Pinkerton did not play Nashua North. That's right. why they were penalized, correct? And but Bedford lost to North. And that's what I don't understand. Right. So when you don't play each other, it goes to record against tournament teams. So overall, okay. Right, because it's not I, fair. Because no, I I think next year if I was and I I guess they can't NHIA can't enforce this because it's the ads that actually make the schedules up, but the basketball committee it would be nice if they would say anybody who is in the tourney, the top sixteen teams have to play each other next year, no doubt about it. So that was the justification for Bedford getting top nine. Yeah, when there's a three way tie and everybody hasn't played each other, it goes to record against tournament teams. All right. Well, looking at the brackets in front of me, we uh, had the Exeter Blue Hawk boys team victorious in their first round game, the preliminary game against Goffstown, the Grizzlies. Uh, 71-54 was the final score. First quarter went both ways. Uh, actually, the Grizzlies uh, were, were putting a fight on. And then in the second quarter on, Exeter just put the pedal down. It's uh, nice to see that they're last night they were back in their old form. The Bullhawks had the swarm going on. Uh, Evan Pafford, he was everywhere, especially under the boards. Uh, Ryan Looper shooting the lights out. And uh, all the other guys were doing their thing too. And it was crisp passing. Uh, it, it was, you know, Gosshound gave it their best shot, but they couldn't contain the Bullhawks. But now in the next round, it's going to be Nashua North that the Blue Hawks have to take on. That's going to be a big, big task. So what's your, what's your opinion on that one, Raj? Well, the news there is that North doesn't have their best player. What happened? Uh, torn ACL. Trevor Lebrecht out for the year. And North is still very good. Yeah, plenty of good players. But Trevor Lebrecht, one of the state's leading scorers, you don't lose that guy without taking something away from your team. So, so there is hope for the Blue Hawks, especially if they play like they did in their in their preliminary game, because I did not see them play North early in the in this season. Do you have the bracket in front of you, Sherm? What are the what are the four? We got Trinity and Bedford. Okay, that's the top tier. It'll be uh, Bedford number one, who had the seed, and uh, they'll be taking on Trinity, the defending champion. Uh, the next uh, tier in that bracket is Nashville South taking on Bishop Girton. So, uh, Nashville rivalry going on there. Then you drop down to our tier, the, the Seacoast tier, so to speak. Uh, Pinkerton, the number two seed, is going to be taking on Wyndham, the Jaguars. And again, we just mentioned Nashua North, the number three seed. They'll be hosting the Blue Hawks. The Nashua North Exeter game, uh, if FNLNH is not going to be at that game, uh, Nashua does have a very good um, media access channel that's online. So you will probably be you'll probably be able to watch that game 
uh, through Nashua Public Television, uh, local television, um, because they uh, they stream all their games and do a pretty good job. Let's go back to that top bracket. Now, Bedford Trinity, I know you were at the Trinity-Portsmouth game. Um, Trinity has had a, well, for them, a mediocre season because they lost a few players and they had to claw their way back into things, and they did. And last night they beat a good Portsmouth Clipper team to uh, get a shot at Bedford and and a, a shot to get into the uh, semifinals at some point, hopefully, and then the finals to defend their title. Well, give me a uh, take on the Trinity Pioneers. Uh, well, they probably have the best player in the state in Tyler Bike, the point guard. And um, just having him alone, he makes, you know, you hear that phrase, makes everybody around him better, but he's, he, that's what he does. You know, he's, he can score, defend, he's, he does everything. He finds the open guy. And Trinity has shooters. You know, I would say they're not very big, but that's the case with most teams this year. Um, but the one thing they have going for them is, although they're young, a lot of these younger players who began the year, some of them even on the JV team, are now playing prominent roles effectively, whether it be shooting, rebounding, what have you. <clears throat> so um, I'd say they're dangerous for sure. And you add to that the fact that they beat Bedford in the Queen City Invitational Championship game. And I saw the regular season game against Bedford early in the year when they – I'm not sure if it was the very first game the teams played, but it was first week, I bet, where uh, it was nip and tuck all the way, and Bedford won that one by six. But, again, you know, I'm sure both teams have improved since then, but Trinity had players that were just not contributing at that stage who are contributing now. So, well, yeah, they get a goal. They they, they want to they want to defend their title. Oh sure, yeah, very capable, very capable team. Uh, definitely, you know, I wrote this last week in the Union Leader. You know, that's the team I would not want to play in the quarterfinals. So uh, that's what I said too. That's why I was I was I was sad that we didn't get into that top tier, but but I I said to somebody that was doing scorekeeping for one of the other teams, I said I really don't want to have to deal with trinity i think that's the one that would scare me going into the into the playoffs so um uh, back to the bracket though the second set aside on that uh, bracket nashua south and bishop girton now nate maserol uh, came in fourth place uh, this year with his team um i when i saw him play exeter and, and they took out exeter uh that was another one that kind of got away from the blue hawks uh, he's got a good team so do you think he has a shot against girton or what Oh yeah. Yeah. That one's kind of a toss up in my mind. You know, um, I give Bedford a slight edge against Trinity, although I wouldn't rule out Trinity's chances in that one for sure. You know, I think the South BG game is a toss up. You, you mentioned the rivalry and all that. Uh, a lot of, a lot of factors go into that one. Um, give Exeter a good chance against North since they're shorthanded. And, uh, you know, you gotta, I would have to make Pinkerton a favorite against Wyndham. Um, Okay. You know, they have the Marshall kid who's just so tough to defend because he's so big and versatile. Um, you don't see many like him. So, uh, you know, if that, that's the match, if I'm Exeter, you know, I, I, I think that's, that's the problem matchup. I saw the regular season game against Pinkerton and they'll probably, if, if those two do teams do advance, they'll probably have to 
turn it into a track meet, I think, you know, make Pinkerton run up and down the court. Well, that's uh, if they, if the Blue Hawks play their game to the level they have in the past few games that I've watched. Um, I, again, it's good to see uh, everybody seems to be healthy and he's got five guys that can start, but Jeff Holmes has other components off the bench that, that can step in and take and uh, take up some of the slack. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't mean to interrupt from the one thing I, I neglected to say is, you know, Bedford could be without its starting point guard possibly for the whole tournament. But these injuries are, are, you know, major factors. Yeah. Uh, Brady O'Connell, I think he, matter of fact, I think he was the game's high scorer uh, in the, in the regular season game between Bedford and Trinity. So, you know, ball, ball handling, you know, you know, Trinity will probably press them. Um, and Bedford's got plenty of capable players. Don't get me wrong. But again, just like the Lebrecht kid, you don't take out your starting point guard and, don't, you know, expect to not miss a beat. So, um, and, and I'm not saying he's out. I saw him last night. He was limping a little bit still. He hasn't played since the Pinkerton game regular season. So to be determined, I guess, but uh, something to keep an eye on for sure. Well, just to wrap up the bracket situation, we went into the quarterfinals that again, tentatively to be played over the weekend, either Saturday or Sunday because of the weather situation here in New England. Uh, but then the semifinal round will be on Wednesday and uh, that's March 8th and 7.30 at a site to be determined. And there's speculation, Sam, that you said maybe some of these games might be back at Exeter High School. I'm a proponent right now. I think the girls' semifinals, if 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 there's a site to be determined, it's going to be Exeter High because you, you, look, at the, you look at the potential semifinals uh, in the girls' Division One, and it could be Bishop Girton, and Pinkerton and Portsmouth and Bedford. Um, since Bedford's out of the picture, uh, since they might be playing, uh, I've got a strong feeling. I think the semifinals are going to be at Exeter High on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night, uh, the 7th. I just want to wrap up the other uh, situations. Uh, Paul DiMarino's Exeter ice hockey team uh, eliminated in the first round, losing to Keene 3-2 to two, uh, over on the girls' side. Uh, the girls ice hockey team was eliminated uh, by Pinkerton uh, by a score of five to three. And Sherm, I heard you announce it last night, and I want to uh, second that announcement. Uh, unified basketball state champions uh, beating Dover. Yeah, congratulations to the unified uh, basketball program. Coach Ball and uh, Coach Orchard do a great job with the, with the guys and gals of the unified team. So congratulations to the Blue Hawks for their third consecutive unified title. Uh, Roger, what about the other the other division D two? What do you uh, what do you tell us something about the boys and the girls? Well, the boys, uh, you know, there's five or six teams right at the top who can all win it, and I mean they can all win it. You hear that a lot, but these are teams that have already beaten each other. Um, uh, Sauhegan, the defending champs, got knocked off last night, I believe, at a buzzer beater, so they're out. But Going into it, I would have had to say the D2 boys was the most intriguing of all the tournaments just because, again, the number of good teams at the top with a legitimate chance to win it. And I don't mean like, oh, if things break right or they get all capable, you know, uh, uh, teams of advancing. Um, D2 girls looks like it's Bo. You know, Bo, maybe Kennett would be the uh, uh, top challenger or one of them anyways, but I think Bo's the favorite. And um, – 
you know, uh, D three has been decided, uh, Guilford and uh, Concord Christian won in the boys and girls respectively. And uh, we've got the D four. I'll be attending the D four boys championship game Saturday. If it's played at Colby Sawyer. So anything else on the table before uh, we go to the two minute drill, as far as the regional sports, uh, Bruins, Celtics, uh, I don't know, whatever baseball, Red Sox. I'm, I'm going to jump in and basically talk about the next month, month of March. Uh, Bruins having a great season. They've got a chance to have the most wins, uh, break the record for the most wins. They've got 22 games left. They need to win 16. I hope they don't do it. Uh, Load management, load management. Um, I want the Bruins and the Celtics to rest players as much as they can and just go for maybe that the top seed and just be happy enough with that. And uh, don't push the envelope. Uh, I really think that uh, it's all about the playoffs. So uh, Bruins and Celtics uh, get some rest. Now the Bruins, uh, I mean, they're just awesome this year. I, I watched the game up in Calgary the other night and uh, Olmark setting an all-time goalie record, 55 saves in that game. And wow, <laughs> he was standing on his head and did everything. Good. And luckily the Bruins came up with the overtime win in that game. Um, Celtics. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're shooting the daylights out of everything and uh, you don't want to see anybody get hurt. And I think that we both agree or all agree that anybody gets hurt. Uh, it throws everything out of whack. I don't care what sport it is, uh, especially going into the playoffs and the, and the tournaments and whatever. Roger, anything on the baseball situation or baseball? You're going to be firing up the website. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're getting uh, ready to get the hardball site going. It's it's actually college is about two weeks into the season, believe it or not. Um, you know, I noticed uh, Cody Morissette was ranked, I think, the number 20 prospect in the Marlins organization this year. Um of course, he, you know, he had his uh, first pro season end uh, prematurely because of, a, I believe, a broken foot. I'm not sure if it was multiple broken bones or, or what, but his mom told me that there's a there's a pin in his ankle that he's dealing with right now. Uh, he was very he was very disappointed that he wasn't able to make the trip or be on the team when the Red Sox played the Marlins the other night. Uh, but uh, he is on the mend. And he has been assigned to Pensacola double A uh, for this coming season. You took the wind out of my sails. I was going to say his grandfather, I talked to him last night and grandpa was saying that uh, he, you know, he was disappointed. He didn't, didn't get a chance to play against the Red Sox in their exhibition game. They had the other day, uh, spring training game. And the other thing uh, he mentioned that Cody's going to be in the uh, um, extended spring training camp in Jupiter for a while, and then probably two or three weeks and then join a double A team. So which one is it going to be, Sam? It's the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. Blue Wahoos. <laughs> I, I I said to his mom, I, I wish uh, maybe he has would take I and mean, have like a little journal of all these places he's been. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Some of these towns and cities, they have baseball teams and the, the, the blue Yahoos. Okie dokie. <laughs> blue Wahoos. Wahoos. Sure. Wahoos. Not Yahoos. Not Yahoos. <laughs> I love I love the caps for these different minor league teams. They really are creative. Uh, two minute drill time. <clears throat> yeah. All right, Sam. Why don't you lead off the two minute drill? 
my two minute drill, uh, just a couple of things. Uh, if you can believe it, the World Baseball Classic is coming up and that's going to be something unique to get us through the month of March and not have to watch boring spring training games. Uh, looking forward to watching the WBC in the lineup for the Dominican Republic, one through nine. They're all all-stars uh, on that team. Uh, that's going to be a fun team to watch. I'm, I'm wondering to see how much effort they're going to be putting into these games. That's something I'm going to be watching. And coming up in a week or so, uh, I'm going to be going into my bunker next weekend. And, I, and on our next podcast, I will be coming up with my picks for the NCAA tournament that will be sure things. So just hang on, folks. Don't do your brackets until you hear this podcast, because I'm going to tell you who's going to be winning the NCAA tournament. Bracketology starts next week, right? Okay, it is March, and and it, it's weather-wise starting off like a lion, and hopefully it goes out like a lamb, and hopefully we have a, a great March Madness, uh, both for the school boy, school girl, and and college ranks. Roger, I saw some one another uh, writer in the state. Uh, wrote a story the other day about the, I think it was the D four semifinals were at Merrimack Valley, which is a fine facility. It's just not, as he wrote, it's just not big enough for the semifinals, even D four. I was up there last year and it was, uh, you know, nobody wants to hear a writer complain about working space, but if you didn't have a place to broadcast or do PA, you know, you were up in the rafters that would, you know, it's not ideal. Same thing for us when we're trying to file stories on these kids. And even for fans the other night, um, they talk about wanting good atmosphere at these events, you know, not having them at big places sometimes for that reason. But they didn't even allow the fans, you know, the fans of game one had to exit before the fans for game two could go in. So the point is, I wish we'd get back to having these semifinals at college venues or at least bigger facilities where they can have larger crowds and um, just make it better for the spectators and better atmosphere for the kids. And I think we're lacking a little bit, you know, I used to cover the main tournaments and they, they would have back to back to back games, you know, up at uh, the biggest facilities in the state. So you attract fans from other teams and areas uh, just makes for a great basketball atmosphere. And, um, I think if we could do it, uh, and, and we're getting away, like Plymouth State and Southern New Hampshire, I don't think are hosting games anymore. So I don't know what the reason is, but um, just like to see us get back to having semifinals at some uh, college or, or bigger facilities like they used to do. And you could even do boys, girls if you wanted to, I'm sure. My two-minute drill, I uh, had the privilege a couple of weekends ago to be able to go up to the old Exeter High School Eustis Field, the original Eustis Field and uh, interview the 97 championship Blue Hawk team, the senior members and head coach Bill Ball. And uh, we were up there for about an hour and reminiscing about that game that day in particular, which was a snowball. And it was, turned out to be the first championship for the Blue Hawks in 32 years. And it was against the Bishop Girton Cardinals. And it, it's really kind of a fun, uh, it'll be a fun package to put together kind of the, uh, the birth of uh, Blue Hawk Nation 
uh, all the success that's gone on over the years with the, the team and coach Bill Ball. And thanks to those guys that showed up that day and all the memorabilia. It's really great to to see these guys who are now dads, proud dads, uh, and uh, how how that championship season and and having Bill Ball as a coach and the coaching staff had an effect on them. And uh, it was a really, really great interview. And I'm, I'm happy to share it with everybody. That's coming soon. And then one other thing I do want to do before I close up, fantasy baseball season is almost here. Well, if anybody is interested in joining our fantasy leagues, uh, like I say, we have several different scoring uh, methods. Uh, just uh, send me a uh, email with your address so I can get back to you and give you a team. And then best way to go is seacosportsforum at yahoo.com. And we will be drafting at the end of the month. All right. So on behalf of Sam Bruno and Roger Brown from the Union Leader, NewHampshireFootballReport.com and New Hampshire Hardball, Sherb Chester, inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum podcast.